Okay, so I am so pleased to uh, to have my my first guest on on my podcast, um, author of Bucephalus's Shadow: Ten Business Lessons from the Life of Alexander the Great, Makul uh, Shapuri, um, who's a former neighbor of mine, who um, right before he and his family moved, um, gave me um, a copy of this book, and it was about two years ago when I read it for the first time. And um, I just I, I chanced upon his book at, at my local library the other day. And um, I was like, I, I told my mom, I was like, oh, you know, I, I just stumbled upon his book. And she was like, um, you know, you should really interview him. So now here you are. Um, and I'm really excited to uh, to sit down with you. Thanks. Thanks, Michael. And I have to thank uh, your mom for that as well. Just, uh... <laughs> You know, since you texted me about about this interview and about the podcast, I first of all, you know, kudos to you for you know starting a podcast, trying to search, you know, what is truth and how do different people pursue it at such a young age. So, so you know, it's uh, it's really cool that you're doing it. And uh, uh, since I got your your text message, I've been like dipping into a lot of. Uh, authors and you know essays by other authors on like why they write and it's it's been a fascinating uh you know exploration over the last last week or so so right. thank you yeah. thank you for yeah. that as well well yeah. yeah i'm i'm glad that i could uh that i could play a small part in that but you know i i, I texted you back when you uh when you sent me that that picture of this this notebook that that you had <laughs> with with all these detailed notes and you were you know you were you were trying to you know find for yourself why you why you wrote this book which i i guess le leads me into my first question you know if you could just kind of detail um the inspiration for the book how it came to be i mm -hmm. think it's uh i think it's a pretty interesting story and a, a you know the, the the book for me is one of the most unique books that that i've ever read so i think it would be really interesting to uh to for you to kind of unpack how you how you came to write it thank you thank you so much for that and uh I kind of stumbled upon this by accident. So growing up, it was never like, I never thought that I could be a writer or, or I would be a writer. And I, uh, you know, I was working as a business consultant uh, at the time in uh, in New York. And, you know, in a crazy day, I was like taking a break. I just stepped out of the office and I walked over to this bookstore like a few blocks down. And I was just trying to, you know, have a coffee and kill some time to before I went back to work. And I stumbled upon a biography of uh, Alexander the Great. It was by uh, a professor in one of the colleges in the U.S. And it was, I just started browsing and I had only heard of Alexander from the context of him uh, coming to India towards the end of his uh, his uh, military campaign and his war or his battle with the Indian king Porus. Mm. And I had heard that story from the Indian perspective, like what does, you know, how did Porus react to it and how did Porus lose? But he was still very proud and Alexander appreciated that he was proud even even after defeat. And that's the only story I had known. And I started like you know, browsing through the, just uh, coming to the, the pages and realizing that how he won that battle was completely incredible. Like he, yeah. this, Davis should not have been any reason he should have won that battle because his horses 
were freaking out when they when they saw the elephants for the first time. Right. And how would he fight a battle without his cavalry? And and then I started like digging into the chapter. I'm like, oh my god, this is how he. I, ne- I had never heard of that story. So then I started like flipping backwards into like other battles and. One after the other, there was like battle after battle where his strategy was different. Every battle, a lesser king would have lost. And and that just sat with me because I was like, at, at the same time, I was, uh, you know, uh, doing uh, consulting work for big corporations. And I was trying to find parallels in, in the business world. You know, I was like reading up on business uh, stories. And, and I, when I started seeing those parallels, I started making some connections. Mm-hmm. And initially, I did not have the whole book plotted out. I I just knew the first chapter have it, I had an idea for how what Alexander did as a kid, how he tamed that uh, the wild horse. Right. Uh, I started getting an idea of like how that story could correlate to how Steve Jobs uh, set up iTunes. Right. Right. I had I had a a, a little bit of a you know. Something there, something to mm-hmm. like, you know, put put a toehold on. And uh, at the time, my wife was, uh, uh, she's a classical Indian dancer. And she, at the time, was very active in, uh, you know, performances uh, of her, you know, as a soloist, as well as at, uh, at her mom's dance company. So there would be weekends where she would be free. And she, I mean, she would be uh, practicing. And I would have this whole, you know, uh, whole day to myself and initially i was like spending it like you know watching netflix or whatever mm-hmm. i'm like you know this is a waste of my time let me try to start exploring if i can write and right. i started with the first chapter then the first chapter was drafted i'm like okay what is the second what is the second battle is there a lesson so it was like step by step i started exploring those connections and uh, and writing the book, and it it was pretty much like you know I'm building a bridge one step at a time, not knowing if there's a whole bridge there. Right, so, right. <laughs> so and in the, the end, and, the, and the, the the bridge definitely came together. Um, yeah, <laughs> Thank yeah you. I, and Thank so you. so I I think to to give people kind of a, a an introduction into the book because the 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 first story that that you mentioned of of mm-hmm. how Alexander tamed. Uh, his horse Bucephalus is is the title of the book. So you know, if, if you could just kind of go into just the, the the context of that story and kind of the parallel that you made to uh, to uh, Steve Jobs with mm-hmm. with iTunes in that story. Yeah, absolutely. So the and I will try to also give some context on how I wanted to write this book uh, yeah. with that the example of that first chapter, right? Mm-hmm. So in the biographies like uh, of Alexander, most of the most of those books, it's it's described right off the bat, like, oh, he tamed, uh, you know, uh, Bucephalus or in, in Greek, they call it like Bucephalus. They, he trained uh, uh, this horse because and there's a spoiler alert right now. So for anybody who's going to read the book, <laughs> they, they, they mentioned that, you know, right off the bat, they say, oh, the horse was afraid of its shadow. And he pointed the horse towards the sun, and that's how he trained it. But I wanted to get into the into the truth of that. Like if to back to the theme of your podcast, I wanted yeah. to not just give it away right off the bat. That you know, there's a whole chapter dedicated to this this one uh, you know fact that uh, is pretty much given away in other books. I wanted to get into okay. So when he approached the horse, he didn't know that it was afraid of its shadow. 
he just approached a horse that was completely wild, that nobody, uh, you know, including his father, uh, King Philip, had been able to train. So uh, what did he do? How did he approach it? And and then that the creative fiction comes in that, you know, uh, in that um, telling of that story. It's it's the truth, according to me. Right. So he right, was there. Right. This kid was there, this uh, you know, 13, 14 year old kid. Like, how is he uh, able to, you know, train this horse that nobody else can? Like, what is it that he saw? It's it, it's not obvious to anybody else in that arena that this horse is afraid of its shadow. And uh, by just giving that fact away, we are doing the reader a disservice because you're not really engaging the reader. Right. 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 So that's what I wanted to get into. Uh, and then eventually, like, show how by uh, trial and error, he figured out that, oh, this is uh, by isolating other factors, he came to the shadow being what was, uh, you know, freaking this horse out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and then the, the parallel on the Steve Jobs side uh, was very similar uh, in the sense that here was, like, now nowadays we say, okay, yeah, iTunes, it makes sense. It, it, like, it's made like you know, so much money for the music industry. Uh, but at the time, uh, if you take the context of the time, the music execs uh, had just been through Napster, you know, uh, basically uh, completely giving away the farm. They were, Napster was like, you know, allowing people to share music. It was, it was called like, uh, you know, piracy at the time and everything, all the downloads were free. And the music industry execs were, in a way, afraid of the shadow of the tech companies, right? Yeah, so they, yeah. they don't want to do. They don't. They do not want to have a partnership with uh, tech firms like like Apple was at the time. Uh, so how did how did Steve Jobs convince the music industry to partner with him? What was it that he, in, in the way that you know, Alexander convinced Bukepalas to like, all right, I you know, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid of a shadow. How did uh, how did Steve Jobs help, uh, you know, the music industry execs understand that you don't have to be afraid of Apple. We're, you know, and, and, and the reasons are given in the, in, in the chapter, like X, Y, and Z. Uh, he basically convinced them that Apple has a tremendous, the partnership has a tremendous upside and very little downside or none, none whatsoever. Right. So, so that, that was the parallel I tried to get to. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, I, I what I love about your book too is is before every chapter, as kind of a a guiding principle to kind of frame <laughs> the lesson, you you include a quote, and so right. every every chapter, I, I I kind of you know research the context of the quote and kind oh, of the, awesome. the, the 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 thematic <laughs> connections, and so with this right. particular story, it's a uh, it's a quote that's that's originally derived from a Sherlock Holmes book um, by Sir. Uh, forget his, Doyle is his last name, the, the, yeah, the, the, the original author of the Sherlock Holmes books. And it's a, it's, it's a phrase that's now used in legal, uh, legal settings a lot. Um, yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's a, yeah, for, for, for everyone, it's a, uh, it's a quote about this, uh, actually, funnily enough, also involving a horse. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a case that's involving a runaway horse and they're trying that's to find right. who, who oh stole... i did not right, make that right. that's amazing. <laughs> and so and so who's who stole this who stole this horse and so the right. the quote is about um uh 
you know them them trying to find who stole you know who stole this horse and mm -hmm. they they come across uh, and and so sherlock there there's like a a dog in the stable and sherlock um you know asks asks the the police investigators well did anyone see if the dog barked and they were like no it it, it didn't seem like the dog barked at all and so he's like he makes the deduction that whoever stole this horse um knew the dog because right. if they knew the dog then the dog wouldn't have barked and so the the connection that that quote is now used in in today's world is um in in legal settings where like there there there's a case where someone um you know is like accused of mm -hmm. you know murdering their wife or whatever and mm -hmm. there's like their their kids are in the room and the kids don't make a sound so it's 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 like something where there's like an omission of something that 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 yeah. either proves someone's guilt or someone's innocence and so what what i kind oh, of wow. took from that's cool yeah that's yeah cool. what what, what yeah. i kind of took from yeah. that is is uh -huh. there's this idea of looking for what's missing and, and mm -hmm. i think with with alex mm -hmm. in in that story throughout mm -hmm. like um you know in in that chapter there's there's this whole spectacle basically where where the the entire town um gathers and and watches whether or not he can tame this horse because the 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 lore in the town is no one you know this this is a violent unhinged creature that right. no one can tame and here comes this kid who who says he's going to tame it and throughout you know that entire uh you know engagement he sees that at certain times he's able to make contact with the horse if, if he drops a treat the the horse's the horse actually comes to him and so he knows that he's not just violent but he has he has to isolate like you said isolate that variable of okay right. well when is he when is he acting violent and he realizes it's it's when you know it's when the sun casts the, the his his own shadow and he sees his own shadow and so i i actually made a made a connection to that that kind of um, you know, core lesson of of looking for what's missing. I uh, mm -hmm. during college I did mock trial, and so this this is kind of where the the legal connection right. was made. And um, I had my my sophomore year, um, one of the one of my my team members. He he was a incredible uh, you know orator. He's at UCLA mm -hmm. Law now. I think he's on their trial okay. team. If anyone who's watching <laughs> Ian Levy, shout out to Ian Levy. Um, <laughs> he uh i i was i was an attorney and he he was like it during your cross ex, cross examinations especially mm -hmm. um the best way to prepare and the best way to know what questions to ask is to look at what's missing in mm. that person's yeah. affidavit look at what they're either glossing over look at right. what's not there right. um and and really hone in on that that like that's that's the weakness that you can kind of exploit and so you know, I, awesome. I think with like yeah. I think with like the the Steve Jobs iTunes story, mm -hmm. you know, he he kind of approached like like you said, you know, at, at that mm -hmm. time there were all of these you know very low quality, um, right. you know, uh, you know, music, um, you know, d digital digital media companies um, right. that were kind of you know like exploiting these uh you know these these like vinyl records people were like copywriting and like reselling music at a very low price and so they had all the reason to not believe him and kind of you know what he did was really try and i think connect with that fear 
connect that's right. with that's right. Con connect with their fear, and then from there, right? You know, what, what, once he realized what they were apprehensive about, what wasn't mm -hmm. working at the current space, he kind of created, um, you know, created a business plan that would be more appealing for them. That's right. So I, I, I think you know, kind of what I got from that is, you know, with what Alexander did, he he went into that interaction with the horse with the under you know with the understanding that mm -hmm. this horse isn't violent he's just misunderstood and right. i think what, what once right. he connected with that fear and went past the assumptions that everyone else had he could kind of uh you know really empathize with the horse and really kind of problem solve right. from that space so right. um you know yeah, yeah. And, and i i think that's that's yeah i'm i'm, I'm curious kind mm -hmm. of how that how that lands and kind of um right. you know how how you've seen you know because I, I think that's a very like just just you know from 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 my life in in mock trial and and mm -hmm. beyond i think like um that's a very it's a very poignant uh problem solving strategy because i think a lot yeah. of times people are kind of locked into their assumptions about what's right and wrong and i That's think it, it it takes it takes someone who kind of can challenge that in a That's way right. and, and and look for That's what's right. not there that's right and also like once he realized when steve jobs realized that the the reason they're afraid of a partnership is because of companies like napster he was able to systematically differentiate apple from napster right Right. While still addressing the fear, he showed them that Apple basically controlled the entire uh, user experience from like hardware to software. So it would be like one partnership versus like them having to figure out a multiple partnership to explore this area. And then at the time, Apple was tiny in terms of market capitalization. And he was able to use that as well to assuage their fears. He was like, you know. Apple is, you know, only like I think like less than ten percent of the of the customer base. I mean, of the entire uh, population uh, is using Apple. So if it doesn't work, it's a small, you know, it's it's still limited. Your downside is limited. So right, he was able right. to like systematically break it down and show them that if they want to test, if they want to like try out, you know, foray in this space, Apple would be the right path. Would be the right partner. Right. And right. So he was like able to break it. He was able to break it down and it was only because he understood what they were afraid of that he was able to break it down right mm -hmm. if he just mm -hmm. went in without the context of why are they afraid in the first place he would try to boil the ocean but he was trying to very systematically address the specific fear that they had right right, right. So, yeah, yeah yeah and so okay so you know alex is so at at, at the time of that that mm -hmm. first story he's a kid and then right you know, he's essentially given the reins of Macedonia at that time, right. Um, right. which already for a kid that age is is an incredible, you know, right. a, amount of responsibility to take. But obviously, you know, anyone who knows his life story conquered an incredible amount of territory in a very right. short period of time. And, you know, I, I was curious um, because, you know, I, I was thinking before, this podcast of, I, I kind of had a, a little bit, and, and I'm 
I'm making this sound like I have yeah, this yeah. massive audience, which I don't. Um, but you know, yeah. But other thing is, like, it doesn't matter if it's no, like two it, people exactly. who are absolutely in line with what you're saying. That's, then that's yeah, I'm, matters, I, this this is know? not a money. This is not a money making. Exactly. You know, this exactly. is not coming out of any any financial desperation. Yeah. It's you know, yeah. and but you know, I was. It's a noble. It's a noble pursuit. So yeah, you know, whoever <laughs> whoever engages, it's good. For yeah, them. yeah. So, if it's yeah. if it's just if it's just yeah. us two, then 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 that that's even okay that with is me. fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, I I was kind of worried about mm -hmm. like the optics of um like trying to market a podcast about someone mm -hmm. who you know if, if people just know alexander the great from from history they know right. his his military conquest and right. you know now we can look at that whatever two two thousand plus years later right. and be like okay well what can we learn what can we learn what virtues can we learn from someone like this other than right. um you know the, the the fact that they just were this you know bloodthirsty conquest right. hungry person like like what right. and and you know what what i found interesting about alexander's life is he he never really wrote anything down there there's mm -hmm. no real written uh record of him okay. so he didn't you know he didn't really contribute anything to you know philosophical thought or right. or you know he didn't even write down how he planned and plotted his right. uh you know his his battle strategies and so really all that we have about him is through his actions and so right. you know i i was curious when you know because it's 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 one thing for you to stumble upon this biography and kind of you know pull some inspiration from right. it and and maybe be compelled to to write something but obviously you know you you wanted to make something that stood apart from every other biography about him right. and so i i was curious how how did you kind of grapple because i'm i'm sure mm -hmm. you probably felt some apprehension of a like how do i make this appealing how do i make this book relevant to right. the modern world right. um and and b how do i kind of I mean, you know, I, I I don't think your book, you know, you're you're not setting out to like rewrite history or anything, right. and and it, and it's you know, it's not a historical book, but like, you know, I think there there is some maybe reframing or just kind of giving nuances to his legacy. Like, how did you, how did how did you kind of grapple with all of that? Yeah, I think I think what I was trying to do with this was like. My my issue with history books is that everything is so cut and dry, right? It's it's not fun, and everything is so cut and dry, and then everything is uh, is stated as fact, right? Mm -hmm. Everything is stated as and and it's almost like it was uh, inevitable, right? You you read a you know any book on Alexander the Great, it sounds like yeah, of course he's Alexander the Great. He had to win everything. But the point I was trying to make with this book was to show how, how he may have grappled with those situations. You said, like, how did I grapple with writing the book? Mm -hmm. I was trying to show how he may have grappled with the situation when and show the reader the situation at hand without giving out what the end result was, right? So in a typical history book, they would, they would uh, mention that, yeah, he 
you know, won the battle battle of Granicus and blah blah blah. It'll, it'll be like a half a page or one page or of description mm-hmm. that he be, defeated it. But that that one page was one whole day of fighting between these two armies, right. and his army was considerably smaller than the other. How did that How did that transpire? Yeah, yeah. Right, like what, like just by just by short circuiting to the the end result, we are we are depriving readers of like the richness of like the the experience that may have happened in that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I feel like what I was trying to do was like. Through story format, I was trying to make it make the reader feel like in the shoes of Alexander as he may have been. And as yeah. you see, like every chapter is in a different uh, is in a different uh, uh, frame. It's not always from the perspective of Alexander. Sometimes it's from the perspective of somebody else. Uh, you know, one of his soldiers. It could be uh, somebody in the uh, you know his. Uh, uh, his adversary's perspectives. I'm trying to show this, this, how the, those events took place from different perspectives to make it interesting for the reader and to to let the reader come to their own conclusions. Right. You know? so right. If if I if I give that if I stretch that period of time instead of like just describing it in one page, put a whole chapter on that. That I hopefully gets the reader more engaged into the into the events of that day and they can make more connections with what's happening in their own life mm, right mm. the same same thing on the business side of things so for each uh uh each uh, chapter uh i have like one business parallel right so for example uh chapter three is a chapter two is the is the business parallel where i'm comparing uh, the culture in uh King Philip and Alexander's army with the culture in the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, again, chapter two. Yeah, chapter two. Yes, yeah. so I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not giving it away right off the bat that this is what makes the Golden State Warriors the Golden State Warriors. I'm trying to like get to that slowly, right? It's the right. it's the whole thing takes place over a, a single game, uh, you know, where they're playing the Trailblazers, and over that the duration of that game, you you come to the conclusion on like what makes them tick right right, right. so hopefully uh, and hopefully the the the, the uh, you know my ambition is that like people can think for themselves when this happens and uh, and some of the best uh, uh, feedback i'm getting is exactly that like you know uh, some of the readers are making those connections they're like when i read the chapter i can think of like how it applies to my life which is right. which is awesome which is exactly what you know, I by by doing that, I'm multiplying the effect of the book. It's not just my experience; it's everybody who's reading their experience. Right, right, yeah, and and yeah. you know that that exact, uh, you know that that exact chapter, um, really struck a chord with me as a fellow Warriors fan too. Right. <laughs> I kind of I kind of was just like, wow, like, yeah. you know, our our team is is incredibly special i i think and and you know just uh, and, and i think we we take that for granted right a lot of times but um you know it it kind of just for me was like uh kind of just like a recentering to yeah like you know the, the the fact that we've kept this core group of players for this long right and the synergy and the the harmony that they have together and the 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 fun and the collective you know that like that's that's kind of like what 
everyone talks about the Warriors as as being, and right. it's it it seems like that is that core ingredient of um like and and this is is interesting that this came up uh the word faith just came up faith faith okay. faith in your you know faith that Alexander had in all of his troops faith That's that right. um you know in 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 this story uh about the warriors it's uh two people at a bar one person who bet on the trailblazers because during pregame warmups Steph Curry looked a little bit off um right. <laughs> which anyone who knows the warriors knows that the team it seems like the team is just Steph although right now it really seems like the team is just <laughs> Steph but in uh, in in past years the you know the 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 team has really been um you know the, this cohesive group of, of 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 players and so you know the the person on the other side is like you know just because Steph is struggling that doesn't mean that the Warriors as a collective machine are are you know are are falling apart there are guys who are capable of of uh you know of, of continuing to spur the team forward and so you know I was I I uh you know was was reading the book this week and I was trying to kind of make parallels and try and find common overarching themes throughout mm -hmm. the, the the book about you know things that we can pull from alexander's life and things contained right. in the business story and uh one word that came up was sacrifice right. um like the, this idea of like sacrificing like there's there's one chapter where right. uh that you mentioned the, the battle of of granicus where he right. um you know kind of like sacrifices uh you know, he like creates a diversion. And so he sacrifices like a group of his army, but he right. knows that that will inevitably lead him to be able to to strike. And so it's kind of like sacrificing short-term goals right. for long-term success. Right. And, uh, you know, I was, I was thinking about that. And, you know, I think there's an element of sacrifice in everything, you know, in, in everything during his life. But I settled on the word faith that I, mm -hmm. I, I think I liked more. Um, right. because I think in most, in most of the stories, it's less about like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willfully giving something up, but right. it's, it's more of, I have the faith that, you know, at, at the end of this battle, it, it might be a struggle to get there. Like success right. might not come swiftly. But right. I I know through experience, through the calculated, you know, premeditated strategies that I have, the men that that I have fighting alongside me, I have the faith that this will, right. the faith and the patience that this will eventually right um, work out and and transpire. And so, you know, right. I'm 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 curious, like how how have you seen that, you know, vir virtue of of patience in i'm sure your world is very fast-paced and you That's know right. in the business world it's it's about bottom line and it's right. and it's and it's about you know like quick sexy results like right. how, how how have you kind of time and time again seen patience really being something that uh you know is is uh is necessary yeah i think i think like um in my direct experience, uh, I can give a couple of examples where I've I've been uh, I've experienced that. 
One was right after business school, I started working at this uh, uh, marketing agency in, in Boston. And uh, we were having like, a you know, the, the, there was a meet and greet with the new employees and there were some, you know, uh, senior execs, some of the older employees and, you know, the CEO was there. And one of the employees just mentioned that, oh, yeah, he uh, launched this one thing that completely failed. It was a disaster. And then he was standing and the CEO was standing with us and he looked at the CEO and he's like, oh, so, you know, I'm sorry this happened. Are you going to fire? He, he joked, are you going to like fire me? And and uh, David, uh, David Kenny was the CEO. He's like, no, that's we've, we've paid for your education. Why should we why should we waste it? Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> it was like it, it cost, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to try it. But now you've learned something from it. Why would we lose that? Right. So. It was, it, it, I felt like uh, that showed me that it's a safe place to try and fail, you know, and I feel like uh, companies, organizations that, that can create that safety, uh, they, may, they may have like setbacks in the short term, but it definitely pays off uh, in the longer term. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and something similar happened. I was working at GoDaddy. We were like on a big call, we were launching something. And uh, we were trying out like there was a, uh, you know, the chief marketing officer was involved. She was like talking about uh, uh, we got to do this, this, this and this. And people were bringing up ideas. And then she stopped everybody. She's like, and guys, don't forget to have fun. <laughs> so I thought that was really cool because you don't yeah. have to do that. Right. It's like right. she said something that it, it was may not have been verbatim. She may have said, like, have fun with it. So it was like, just enjoy it. It's like, right. you know. Don't take it too seriously. So I feel like there's a there's an importance of like just play and the safety to fail that goes a long way in uh, in companies that succeed in the long term versus that just perform in the short term. Because you can be like high strung and stressed out and fearful about stuff for and you can have results for the short term, but that I don't think that's sustainable. Right. So yeah. The the truly good teams they have they they accept everybody as they are, uh, you know, and uh, even like uh, if you look at the Warriors, you're uh, green, right? It's uh, right. It's he's like the, the good comes with the bad. You can't yeah, you cannot yeah. uh, you cannot be like, I want this, but not that. No, this is all him. It's you got to accept him as he is and right. You know, roll with that. Yeah. So, I think I think Jordan Poole is having a little bit of difficulty with that yeah. at the moment. I don't I don't know I don't know if punching your teammates is exactly yeah. is exactly just taking the good with the bad. But yes, yeah. I, I, I I fully agree. Um, yeah. you know, yeah. in 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 the teams that I've been a part of, and I'm and mm -hmm. I'm just you know gonna gonna pull from mock yeah. trial continuously because that that was yeah. kind of you know the the the, the singular uh, organization that that I was a part of in college. Yeah. Um, my, my freshman year and I, I, I didn't do mock trial in, in high school. So I just, you know, just si signed up for it during yeah. college and it's, it's competitive. And so, you know, like two weeks into our season, we had our first competition and, um, fall quarter mock trial is, is not the competitive season per se. And so, you know, it's a lot lower stakes. Right. Um, you know, you, you don't necessarily have like your, your best people on each team. It's, it's really just like a trying out period for most right. people to kind of get their feet wet in a low stakes right. environment. But there are some schools that do not abide by that 
ethos. And so one of them is Stanford, who <laughs> will have like their best people Right. And they'll just beat up on these, like, you know, these teams like Cal Poly that, that aren't stacked yet. And so my first tournament, um, my, uh, the, the, the team that we're going up against is yeah. Stanford, of course. Um, right. and their, their best team, um, against a bunch of freshmen and, and the, the attorney who's like objecting to my, uh, my testimony is now the, I think she just graduated, but she was the president of Stanford mock trial, oh, like wow. an all American yeah. attorney. Oh, <laughs> and so like before the trial, I'm like white, like I am, oh, ter yeah. I'm terrified. Yeah. Right. And throughout the trial, there's this one particular moment where I, my brain just freezes. And like the line that I'm supposed to say from this, like very damning piece of evidence that was kind of yeah. like the smoking gun I like forget to say <laughs> and after the trial the the judge is like yeah that that one moment where you picked the wrong line like I almost cried <laughs> during that. so so that that is that's my right. first you know moment right. and it would have been very easy for me to say you know well screw this like yeah. this is this I, is painful like I just yeah. you know I worked I worked extremely hard for this moment and I kind of got humiliated and embarrassed. <laughs> like, you know, I don't even really know if I want to be a lawyer. Like what's yeah. like, what am I, what am I doing this for? And right. my, my team was like so incredibly supportive. You know, they were That's like, awesome. Michael, like this has happened. This has happened to all of us. Like we, we have That's all, wonderful. we've all embarrassed ourselves. Um, we, yeah. you know, we, we've, yeah. you know, we, that, that's the nature of, this this activity is is you you can prepare and you can prepare right. and you can prepare but in the right. heat of the moment things you know that's right things happen that you that you right. can't plan for and you can't expect and so right. you know fa fast forward four years uh this last year i i won an award at our our regional tournament um and you know it like that that singular moment i think was uh was yeah. was an incredible teaching moment yeah. for me to just say like fail you know failure is what uh you know is is what breeds success like w without that right. failure i wouldn't have i wouldn't have worked as hard as right. i did and with and without the without the supportive you know That's encouragement right. of of all of my teammates i i wouldn't have felt like this was still something worth pursuing and right. so, you know, like this, this last senior year, like I got a chance to be a captain and, and kind of, you know, help the, uh, the, the, the younger, you know, the younger, um, lower classmen on the right. team kind of find their confidence. Cause it's, it's, That's it's awesome. a very, it's a, it's a very terrifying yeah. thing to do, right. um, is, right. you know, it's, is to, is to stand, right. you know, in, in front of, you know, people who are incredibly smart, people who are incredibly eloquent, incredibly quick on their feet and kind of just trust trust your trust your instincts which you know which right. which i think is is something that was very you know very very evident in you know ev you know th th right. throughout throughout the book is kind of this this trusting right. of 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 instinct and also simplicity right. um what what was yeah. another thing that i kind of wanted to talk about there there was one specific uh chapter where it was kind of about like the i think that the, the quote before 
the chapter was like choosing what not to do that's is right. as important as choosing what to do. And that's so right. it, I think the, the, the battle was this particular battle where, um, like Alexander's, uh, naval fleet, um, didn't engage like the, the, the Persian fleet and just kind of like held, held court for a period of time. Right. Um, and the, the business parallel was, uh, this guy who was, yeah, you, you say that the, the guy who was working at, at Google. Right. Right. So that's, uh, it's again, the, the, that's the creative part that guy did, does not exist, but it was right, right, right. Yeah. The, the fact that, uh, the, the exchange between Marissa Mayer and that blogger or, you know, that person who uh, used to email her every time a, a release used to go out with a new Google homepage is absolutely true. So it's, uh, it's, I mean, you, you got it. It's, it's basically, uh, how does Google, you know, I mean, I don't know what the word count is right now on the homepage, but at the time, Marissa Mayer was like really defending the, the number of, the number of words that were on the page, the homepage, uh, you know, there was a lot, they may, must've been incredible pressure to put all these like ancillary products on there to cross sell and, you know, make the, the, uh, users of this, of this search algorithm aware of everything Google was doing, but she put the kibosh down on that. And she's like, no, the page has to remain clean. You want to let the, the people who come in to search search without all the distractions. And if you, I don't know if you remember Yahoo at the time must have been like, just like stuff jumping at you from every different direction that the homepage mm-hmm. was like cluttered. So how did she, how did, how did she manage to do that? Uh, is, uh, is incredible, you know, right, like, right. Uh, even though she was a senior exec, there must've been pressure from like all different directions to add stuff. Hey, there's like millions of people on the homepage, billions, maybe like, why can't we just add a little bit more? It'll help our, you know, our division by so much, but she, she kept it, kept it clean. Right. 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 And then the quote actually comes from Steve jobs though. What you decided. Oh, really? Yeah. I think mm. I, I believe so. I'll have to uh, take a look at it, but I know when the Steve jobs came back to, I think it's from Steve. I'll have to check, but uh, I know that Steve Jobs did something similar when he came back to Apple after his, you know, uh, uh, he was like banished from Apple and he went to form Next and uh, invested in Pixar. Then he finally came back to Apple. He, uh, for a few days, he was just interviewing everybody because Apple, since he left, had like ballooned into so many products, so many, you know, uh, skews within all the products. And he was talking to people. And at some point he's like, guys, we, we really got to like simplify. And he made yeah. like a two by two chart on the, on the whiteboard. And he's like, we're just going to have four products. You know, there's going to be a, you know, a desktop and a laptop for home users and professional users. That's it. Mm-hmm. One product mm-hmm. for each quadrant. Right. Right. And nothing else. And that was the beginning of the whole, you know, rejuvenation of uh, of Apple, right? And, you know, so it's it's kind of like he he had to decide like what to do, but also what not to do. Anything else that's like, and I think and even in in your career uh, as you go, as you proceed with your career, it'll be important to figure out like what not to do. 
because there's right. always going to be opportunities, always people like pinging you, hey, do you want to do this? You want to do that? So I feel like it's it's also something that, you know, at, as time goes on, it, it'll be good to keep keep track of what you like doing and what you don't like doing because it's easy to, you know, get uh, pulled into stuff that you don't want to do. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's, it's kind of this idea of, how to how to kind of cut through the noise and right. and and try and you know arrive at you know what what really speaks to you right. what what right. really moves you as right. a person what excites you what what motivates you right. and and you know i i think this like i i, I kind of made the connection to uh to you know art art in general Right. You know, you you hear a lot of a lot of people who, uh, you know, get get plagued by you know writer's block or or procrastination right. who kind of want to make something that's that's perfect and that's right. complex, right. Um, you know, and and uh, high artsy and right. you know what what most artists realize at some point is the the most impactful and moving art is something that is accessible and digestible and and really simple that right. that just that tells a simple narrative of what right. you know what it means to be human in an right. in an interesting and unique way right. but i think it it uh it it almost becomes you almost alienate your audience when you get too highbrowy and too verbose and um you know what once you know what once you can kind of get to a place where okay you know this like yeah you know this 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 speaks to me yeah and 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 you you kind of get away from trying to prove right. yourself to someone and and you you can just sit back and say yeah this 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 really moves me in right. a particular way right. um and yeah 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 i think it's it's like one of the authors that i was like dipping into uh this last week after you you texted me about mm -hmm. you know the pursuit of truth and how do you pursue it uh hemingway right mm -hmm. so hemingway in his uh i was i was just thinking of him actually that's really yeah, weird <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah in his book uh, a movable feast he talks about there is this uh uh, early on in the book, he talks about, you know, sometimes when I have writer's block, I think about if I could just write one true sentence. That's exactly. I just heard that quote like last week. Yeah. And that's, that's, the, that's the first yeah. thing that came to yeah. mind. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can you can go from there. And actually, it's it's helping me right now. I'm working on a second book right now. And I'm like struggling with the I'm just struggling with the I have a, you know, idea of like what it's going to be, but I'm struggling with the first chapter. And what's helping me like revise what I draft is uh, is that like does it sound true or is it sound does it sound like I'm putting a lot of ornaments to make it sound cool yeah, you know can yeah. I just like and go back to just like cut it out and just like stick to what's true and then uh, I I had listened I listened to this other podcast called uh, History of Literature mm. and in in one of the episodes the the host was. Uh, Talking about uh, Hemingway and this one true uh, one true sentence concept, and they discuss he and the guest they discuss like in one of the books Hemingway is describing something, and then he says, 
blah, 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 blah. And the river was there. Hmm. And I thought that was so beautiful because it was like, it was left to the to the reader to imagine what the river was like. He could have easily gone in and described how the river was rolling and how the sound was and blah, blah, blah. He just said the river was there. Now it's up right. to you as a reader to fill in the blanks. And, you know, it's he's not trying to make it more than it was or less than it was. You take your experience and fill in the blanks, right? Right, right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like right, right now I'm... Uh... I'm applying to grad school to, uh, right. to become a therapist. And awesome. so I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm part of, part of the application is crafting a personal statement. It's, it's kind of just right. an essay of, you know, your professional and academic and personal history and how you feel like that, you know, that has informed your decision to, to pursue right. counseling and, and, you know, what, you know, kind of the, uh, the intangible and tangible qualities that that you bring. And right. so, you know, I've uh I've I've really struggled with the idea of not overly explaining myself because it it, right. it feels like, you know, these are people that that don't know me. This is like right. one of very few um, you know, uh, you know, parts of my application that they can get an impression of me on. And so it feels like I have to sell myself and it feels right. like, you know, I, I have to, um, you know, really leave no stone unturned. And so right. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to kind of craft it as, as a, as a narrative, as a story arc of, of right. my life and kind of the, the intentional choices that I've, that I've made that has led me to this part that has right. led me to this point. And so, you know, what, what I'm kind of trying to straddle is how can I, um, you know, how can I kind of explain myself in, you know, in an, uh, in an engaging way that, that also, you know, that, that also makes it very clear that there were, you know, events and circumstances in my life that 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 has opened my you know has opened my eyes to to not just the the this as a career choice but the the necessity in my life for living therapeutically in, in a sense for 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 you know taking the uh the you know the the lessons and the way of life as a therapist beyond that career and just you know infusing awesome. it infusing it into yeah. my life but you know it's 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 very difficult to right. uh to, to still do kind of what you know what what Hemingway said is is you know just trust like I think it's it's trust more than anything like trusting that a truthful expression of yourself yeah. Um, that, that, that people will understand that right. with, without needing to, to really like spoon feed someone That's right. with, with, right. uh, with something. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm also like, you know, writing more now, like I've, I've always loved to write. I've, I've always, I've That's always awesome. loved to write, but it's, it's until very recently, I really struggled to enjoy it outside of school. Um, right. and, and, and have the discipline enough to, uh, to write something that sucks right. and, and right. revise right. and, and revise it. And so, yeah. you know, I, I think, um, you know, it's, a it's, it's a very, 
you know, I, I think a lot of lessons can be drawn from from just yeah, from from approaching it yeah. sentence by sentence and in okay. a conversation word by word and and really trying to be thoughtful with with what you say and and how you right. act and right. just like really just trying to build truthful moments after truthful moments right. and then you know uh, eventually that kind of just extends right. into a truthful day and then a truthful week right. and and that's right yeah that's right. and then again back to the faith having the faith that it'll get you'll get there right <laughs> right 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 yeah. yeah yeah it's it's funny because uh so when I started writing this this book uh, on Alexander, uh, I wrote the first chapter. I drafted the first chapter. I would send it to like my close family uh, and and my wife, and they would look at it and they would like give feedback. I just move on to the next one. I did not revisit the the first chapter or the second chapter until the whole draft was done. Right, and then I went back to it. And I was depressed for it for like six months. I'm like, what the hell did I write? It is so trite. <laughs> it's so it's so terrible. I can't associate with it. But eventually, like my wife convinced me, like, come on, give it a check. Give it, <laughs> go back right, to right, it. Right. Work on it. it. But I I really thank my stars that I did not go back to the first chapter after I got feedback. I waited mm. till the whole draft was done. Because I would not have written the second chapter if I had seen how terrible it was, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. And and I think the the struggle I'm having now is with the second book is I'm trying to write the first draft, and I in in my mind I expect it to be like the final product of the of the first book, right? You know. And it's like I gotta I gotta remember that I, my goal is to write a crappy first draft and not an amazing first draft, right? And that'll give it the the clay to to mold. You know, so I yeah. have to remind myself that it's again, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to, right. you know, uh, just just put it out there and then revisit it later. So I have to give myself that advice too. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I I can I can only imagine the, uh, you know, you you have this idea, yeah. you know, that this this idea comes to you for for a book, and right. you're you're so excited to write it. And this this is what I find all the time is like. And then you get to, you know, you, you put pen to paper and right. you're like, you're either like, is this something that can develop into a whole book? Like, is this an idea right. that I can talk about for 300 pages right. or is anyone going to care or how, like, how do I, how do I translate that passion into, That's right. you know, and, and I think what I, what I love so much about your book is, you know, we talk about patience. I think you had an incredible amount of patience as, as an author to lay these stories out, you know, knowing, knowing kind of like the kernels of wisdom that you wanted to explore and, and articulate you, you didn't rush in, in, you mentioned this earlier, you you didn't rush the, uh, the reader into that. You, you, you laid out the, the struggles and the trials and tribulations and, and constructed a, a narrative to uh, you know humanize all of all of the characters that you were describing and you know i, I think that's uh that you know that, that that's an incredible tool of of any you know good good piece of good piece of writing um a good you know good good piece of 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 anything is you know not not being 
afraid to to uh you know to to really draw out the story and and really detail the right. you know from 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 struggle to triumph i, I think it's it's very right. easy it's very easy to focus on you know the the little nuggets of wisdom the right. you know the 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 self you know positive right. affirmation part you know you you, you could have very easily written a book like that that didn't right. also include how he got there and I, and I think that's right. what it sounds like is is what you were most fascinated by is right. not just that he supposedly never lost a battle in his life and conquered right. all of this land but right like the ins seemingly insurmountable odds by right. which he did it and that that leads me to like what one of the last things that that I mm -hmm. kind of wanted to touch on is this idea of um not assuming success before it is won right. and there's this one which chapter is it the the i i can remember the business story i can't remember yeah. the the battle corollary but but the, the the business story for that chapter is about the financial crash of of 2008 and oh, right, how, right. Right. And, and yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm sure you, you, you remember the, 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 the battle corollary, but the, right. the financial, um, you know, at, at that time, kind of the, the, in very oversimplified terms, the, the crash of 2008 was, um, you know, there, there was this assumption that was made by everyone who was, who was invested in right. trying to, to make money at that time that the stock market is never going to crash. Right. that that the you know there will be perpetual economic success right. and and we will be able to make money from from all of these like nefarious schemes that that we're trying to uh that we're trying to conduct and of course right. that you know like with uh you know history being a pattern that that was not the right. case and you know the the one character who actually made money um you know what was losing money throughout with, with right. what he invested in was losing money throughout the uh that that time but knew right. eventually that what he invested in was going to prove fruitful at the uh you know at at you know at at the end of that that crash so right. you know it's 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 kind of this idea of you know knowing that the 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 future is uncertain and the future right. is fluid and and trying right. to trying to invest all that you can in in the present. That's right. That's right. That was I, I think you're re referencing the Nassim Taleb, the the guy who wrote the Black Swan, and how yeah. he invests he invests in these instruments that lose money on a regular basis. But if a if a Black Swan event, which is like something cataclysmic like the stock market crash happens, then he makes everything up and more, you right, know? Right. So how he has that, that discipline to do that on it. And he doesn't know when it's going to happen. He just knows it will at some point. So right. he continues investing patiently in, uh, in these, uh, uh, these financial instruments that keep losing money on a daily basis. And then, you know, lo and behold, when, a crash happens he makes a fortune right and yeah, i think yeah. uh the the parallel was uh or the business the military story was how 
Alexander patiently waited in this one spot for uh, the, uh, the, the, the rival king to come to where he wanted him to fight. Mm-hmm. He did not go where the uh, rival army was like camped because he knew he would lose there. Mm-hmm. He just mm-hmm. waited patiently day after day after day till finally the rival army that was much more massive than, than his contingent actually came into this like cramped area and, and then they lost. Right. So had he not had he not waited and had he gone there, he he would have his uh, army would have been decimated. Right? Yeah. So yeah. again, again, patience, yeah, pa- pa- yeah exactly. pa- patience as a as a recurring yeah. theme. So exactly. the the last, um, well, actually, actually, yeah, I I, I want to talk about the end of his life and yeah. and his death yeah. and and kind of um you know the 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 story there that you detailed, but but before that, I think another another theme that i that i kept bumping up against and this was um you know this was like explicit in in one of your chapters is that of adaptation and and adjustment to circumstances um there was there was one chapter where the the quote that you used i think is a quote that's that's originally from darwin that's about like it's not the most intellectual of the species that survives it's not the strongest it's you know it's it's the ones who adapt to circumstances and and learn and grow and so you know in in that in that chapter um there's uh the the battle is between alexander and the indian king um king porus and yeah you, you you mentioned in the beginning um, so I, I I won't I won't re-detail rehash that out. Um, but the on on the business side, it's the story of Blockbuster, um, Blockbuster's fall and Netflix uh, rise, and how Blockbuster, you know, was uh, their their business model was predicated on like late late fees. If 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 people you know rented a DVD for a certain amount of time and and uh, you know were were a day late, were a week late, had to pay a certain fee. And Netflix came in and was like, you know, people are getting crippled by and, you know, who who can expect someone to, uh, you know, to remember to watch their 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 movie that, you know, the night that they get it. Um, right. And so, you know, created a, a subscription model that that right. was, you know, so much more inviting to right. people. And, you know, Blockbuster kind of fell apart because they weren't able to or they they tried to adapt, but I think it was right. too little too late. So, you know, can, yeah. can you kind of go into detail more w- with with that story and, and kind of how yeah. you see that um, play itself out in in your world? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, even as a as a meta theme in Alexander's, you know, uh, his life and his uh, military career, adaptation is what got him to where he was, like even beyond that one battle with King Porus, where he where I showcase how he adapted to, you know, uh, uh, fighting an army where uh, the you know the army had elephants, which his cavalry would not even face. How did he how did he adapt to that that situation? Uh, he's adapted like to every situation in every battle. Like if you think about, it was not, and if you if you consider like a hedgehog who does the same thing over and over, and a fox who you know, adapts to, and Alexander was definitely a fox. 
mm-hmm. would adapt to every situation uh, and and like ingeniously, right? So uh, and the, and the business barrel was the the Netflix versus Blockbuster, where Netflix was this smaller, more nimble rival that was coming up with a way to uh, disrupt Blockbusters, you know, retail. They have stores in every uh, every neighborhood and every city, every, every big city where people can rent uh, cassettes. And then Netflix comes in, it like starts sending these DVDs by mail. And then Blockbuster actually tried to replicate it, but they failed because they're, they're, the, the retail folks were so entrenched in the retail way of things that they were jeopardizing their own. Uh, they, they came up with a Blockbuster online. You know, right. but the the retail staff was jeopardizing Blockbuster online. They were telling customers that, hey, don't don't go there, come to the store. So right, right, right. Than, even if they wanted to try and outmaneuver Netflix, they couldn't because the DNA was so so you know fixed. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. whereas Netflix Flix went from like DVDs to online streaming, and now they're continuing to adapt. You know, so I right, feel like. Right. How do you, you know, if you're creating, you know, a startup, like how do you create that kind of a DNA in the startup? And yeah. I, I feel like some of these con- concepts, like they, they interplay. Like mm. you know, if you if you're trying to get a, a startup or an organization to adapt better, you also need to have the same uh, uh, startup have a culture that allows for failures. Right. Right. So right. It's like, right. There's a little bit of it's not just like you, you cannot win by having just like one of the lessons implemented. You got it. It kind of like is layers. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. it's 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 fascinating. And, you know, yeah. you, you have to. You, you know, you, you have to adapt and, right. and, and think in the short term and, right. and think of how to continuously, you know, make what you're selling be you know, be, be something worthwhile that people are interested in. But, you know, at the same time, you also have to think long term about right. what you're trying to build. Like, what are the, the core unchanging, you know, even as you That's change right. and adapt, what are the core unchanging things? And, right. and I think, I, I guess, where, where businesses, where even like personal relationships fail is we... We, we get what we think are the core foundational things. Like we get those wrong. Like, you know, right. I, I think in, in a relationship, you might think, you know, like um, an intellectual or emotional connection is, you know, like all, you know, that, that like that's the foundational element. Like that's all you need. And then in right. that, you might disregard romantic attraction or you know a sense of humor or or what have you and i I think like you know with the example of blockbuster for example there before netflix came around along there was this like very real uh euphoric sense that you would get by going to a physical place to buy a movie that i yeah, I, I can't claim to understand what that feels like but i know i i know at my age but I, i i know i know it was you know, for, for people to go in with their families, for people to go in right. with their friends as like new things would come out, you know, it would be like right. a thing to do to like go to, to go to a blockbuster. And once Netflix came in and said, no, you, you can order 
movies from the comfort of your couch and it can just arrive to you and you can pop it in and and that's that um the the salience of going to a brick and mortar store kind of fell away and and it's it i mean it it must have been hard for people at blockbuster to accept that because their whole their like so much of their success and their business model and culture was was centered around like Right. You know, having compassionate, interested people who work there who can engage right. with customers in that way. And, right. you know, I think I think we see it now with with Amazon where, you know, like brick and mortar mom and pop stores are right. are falling by the wayside. Like, right. you know, s- small independent bookstores are are right. falling by the wayside with right. with 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 this. With this, you know, kind of changing model of uh, convenience. Yeah. Over yeah. connection, which is That's really right. sad. And, um, right. you know, like, I, I guess, like, how, how can we still, you know, because obviously, all of these stories are, mm-hmm. are in a business context where, right. you know, so much of adaptation and adjustment is for you know, like, is, is motivated by financial success. And I think a lot of times, you know, values kind of it's almost like a zero-sum game where values kind of go by the wayside in that so i i guess like yeah from from your vantage point how can we you know the things we talked about like with with you know acceptance of of failure um all these values where it's not obvious that that is correlated with financial success but i think you would agree that you know people who are happy at work generally produce better performing companies That's um, right. and That's so right. I, I guess i guess how in like a very fast-paced world can you still kind of retain those values yeah i think like if you think about the the blockbuster example and you raise a really good point because i on a professional front i work as a marketer uh you know uh, at this company called ring central and uh, I work with the small business uh, uh, customers, you know, the mm-hmm. small business audience. Right. And I've worked with small business uh, owners in my, my last few jobs as well. So that's that's the segment I love to serve. And I feel like that's the big shift that is happening from like, you know, physical bookstores, physical grocery stores to like everything getting all the transactions happening over, uh, you know, over uh, over the web. How do you change that? Because I feel like I co- you completely hit it on the head where, you know, uh, these small businesses, they provide the community, like mm. they provide spaces for uh, interaction between the community, which is not like your home and which is not your work. It's the third place, right? Right. So it could be a cafe. It could be a bookstore. It could be, you know, a place where you, uh, you know, go for like uh getting a beer, it could be, you know, whatever, but where, where do you hang out outside of work and home? Those, the, that, that's basically the, the fabric of society, right? Like, right. I think it's, it's, it's crucial to have it. And I feel like uh, if you take a lesson from Blockbuster, why that it fell apart for, for Blockbuster, where people would go to the stores and actually enjoy that, finding the thing, you know, let me find a DVD for this weekend with my family. Mm-hmm. I'll go with mm-hmm. my son or with my 
with my wife, we'll find something that it it went away. The, in my opinion, it went away because from a corporate perspective, they were relying, overly relying on late fees. Right. 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 So it was, I forget the exact stat, but it was. I think, you, I think it was almost half. It was almost, almost half, half of their, yes, their revenue was, yeah. Half their revenue was coming from late fees. You cannot have a sustainable model. Yeah. You can't yeah. have a sustainable model that is built on the pain of your customers. Right, right, so, yeah. So it's it's like you have to figure out if you're a small business owner and you have this relation, this physical relationship with the uh, customers who come into your place, you got to figure out like what do you stand for and how mm. do you you know, how do you make money? It's if, if half the money is coming from something equal to the late fee, then I don't think it'll survive the onslaught of the Amazons and, you know, uh, other, uh, other you know, like uh, web 2.0, 3.0, 4.0 leaders, right? right? You right. have to know what you stand for. And I think uh, when the pandemic hit, uh, my company had sponsored this, uh, we had sponsored this thing called the Small Business School Challenge where MBA students were advising small business owners. Mm. And uh, one of the participants in that challenge was this uh, radio, like they, she had like a radio channel in the Boston area and she was struggling to make ends meet because advertisers were like ad, uh, ad revenue was dropping, advertisers were pulling out with the pandemic. Uh, the advice the MBA students gave her was like, reach out to your community. And she did. She reached out and people started donating money. Wow. And that took care of her, uh, the downfall in her ad revenue. Wow. Yeah. But to, to do that, you have to have that rapport with your, your customers, right? You cannot, if they, if they have a negative association with your, your business, they will never give you money. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. So, <laughs> So yeah, you, so, yeah. You, you you have to do the work to build that rapport. That's right. For right. you know, in in a time of need, people people yeah. feel like you're you're worth investing in. That That's that right. you know that, and 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 I and I think people also recognize the necessity of of businesses around them. Yeah. You know when they start to when their future is in jeopardy, I, I think it's very easy to take advantage of. You know. Uh, like me walking into Red Rock all the time yeah. to work on my grad school apps, right. and uh, you know, you know that like that just kind of being a routine thing, and then yeah. once, once you know those businesses are threatened, you're like, oh wow, like I really love being able to talk up the baristas and being able to right. see all of you know all of the art that's that's you know that's showcased right. in there and and the 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 ambiance and the the atmosphere that right. that you have in there um right. and so yeah and so the 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 last thing that i kind of wanted to touch on is is um the end of alexander's life because i right. i think uh he he died at 32 or 33 right. um very suddenly from it's kind of debated how he died but um you know either a flu or or some type of disease some people right. say alcoholism so it's kind of all around the map but like died right. died very suddenly right. and when i when i first read this story i was initially kind of skeptical about how true it was to be honest uh as 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 someone who you know was like a, a you know a, a military ruler back 
3000 years ago, he had a very wise and, and selfless view on on death. So, you know, if, if you could kind of just unpack that that last story of his life, I think it, it kind of brings together the, uh, the 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 tapestry of the interview thus far to a to a nice close. That's yeah, that's that's great. That's a great place to just to end. I feel when I was reading the his biography, when I read the the anecdote where, you know, they were meandering through the the, the desert and uh, they were at the like end of their water supplies hmm. and all the soldiers they collected what they had in a in a helmet and they offered it to him. He instead of drinking it, he you know, overturned it into the sand. And he basically said, I will share your fate. So yeah. I feel like that epitomizes leadership for me. Hmm. You know, good a good leader can do that. Whereas in a lot of uh, corporate scenarios, you see the leaders being the first to bail with like millions of dollars in payout. And while the rest of the company, you know, has uh, suffers like layoffs and makes, you know, so I feel like this it that to me is uh uh and, and that was one chapter where I showed the contrast as as opposed to a parallel because I feel like that's the the key lesson I wanted to leave with is like you know if if you're a leader you have to think about your, your the people you're leading before you think about yourself you know and uh, and not many people do that yeah so, yeah, and, and the fact that Alexander did that made him so, so much more inspirational to me. You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if 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 how he treated his soldiers was different, it would not have have had the same resonance with me, or would not have compelled me to write the story. Right, so, right. Yeah, yeah, and and I I think what what I really came away from it was, you know, there's. There, there's countless examples of throughout history of brutality and um you know conquest being connected to each other and right. and um you know you can talk about you know Julius Caesar or Napoleon yeah. or um you know all, all of these like leaders that ruled with an iron fist that right were able to through fear and and you know just sheer terror um you know uh pull you know pull people to, to together but there's there's yeah. not really a togetherness there and maybe right. two thousand years ago that worked because the the world was a lot less predicated on our common values of decency right. and and civility and and uh peaceful negotiation that you could just you know brutally you know murder your way through you know an entire right. continent and and i think that's what a lot of people who haven't read a book like this about alexander would probably have the impression of him being and right. you know i'm i'm sh i'm i don't think either of us are painting him as a saint whatsoever right. Right, but absolutely. but but you know i i think um there's there's truth in you know pretty much every battle that he fought he was right. undermanned and right. for him to be able to have 
as much success as he had like military might was not on his side right and so there 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 must have been something else at play and i think right. continuity camaraderie uh togetherness um but you know belief um right. like i i was just kind of looking uh you know, after I read that last chapter of like trying to find, you know, the 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 story that you that that you pulled that from, um, okay. if if it's corroborated, and I I couldn't find that exact story, but I found this LinkedIn post that this woman made of this story that she heard from a Greek historian, and it's Alexander's three wishes before he died, and oh, so wow. yeah, curious. yeah, and so his uh, you know, so he was he was about to die and. You know, they were, um, you know, he was he was kind of given an opportunity to, um, you know, ask what he kind of wanted from his funeral. And so his first wish was have his physicians alone carry his coffin. And that kind of symbolized that no one can cure death, not wow. not even his doctors can cure death. Right. Um, his second was to have the path to his graveyard lined with all of his wealth to kind of symbolize that throughout his life, he amassed all this wealth and money, but he can't leave with it, that, that it's, right. it's, it's all essentially, you know, worthless at the end of life. Right. And his third is to have both of his hands hung out of his coffin to show that he is leaving the world the same way that he came into it empty handed, like yeah. this, this, this idea that, you know, he, yeah. he's devoid of wealth, he's devoid of attachment, he kind of is suffering the same fate as anyone else. You know, he's right. he's this titan of the world who, right. you know, people like I read Napoleon uh, invaded Egypt, not because he needed to, but because he wanted to do what Alexander did. So oh, wow. like people <laughs> like people like 2000 years yeah. later oh, are still talking yeah. about him, but right. he's also just, you know, he he came to a realization that he's just another guy at the end of life. Right. Um, right. And I'm sure having to make contact with death at such an early age so right. abruptly, right. you know, you, 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 you know, you don't have a whole life to build a legacy, to have a family, to, you know, right. to, uh, to really do a lot of those things. And, you know, he probably just had to kind of put to bed all of his achievements and just, right. you know, accept death and accept mortality, which is, uh, right which is not something that right. someone in his position at that time with his stature, you know, it's, it could have been very, you know, very easy for him to die a disgruntled, uh, unhappy mm -hmm. death of like feeling like some injustice was, uh, right. was, you know, was, was cast on him. And for him to have that perspective yeah. is, is really beautiful, honestly. It is, it is. And I feel like, I've not, I didn't. I had not heard that uh, that story, but mm. I'm not surprised by the wisdom he had at that point because even this, like another episode from earlier in his life, which you know, uh, I don't know if you've heard about it, uh, but he, who was that person? There was this guy Diogenes. Have you heard mm. of the story of Diogenes? Diogenes. No, no, I haven't. Okay, so he, uh, Diogenes was this guy who would live in Athens like uh, like a beggar. He was this beggar philosopher who 
you know, decided that he would live like a dog. He does not need anything. He just wants to live at, you know, eating scraps out of like the garbage or whatever. He's not mm. like, he just wants to live his life at the, at the very basic level. He does mm -hmm. not. And he had a, you know, that was his philosophy. And Alexander, when he went to Athens, he had, uh, he was looking for Diogenes and he stood, you know, Diogenes was like sleeping. It was like uh, midday or something, you know, sometime in the afternoon. And Alexander stood above him and he's like, he asked him like, what could he do for him? He wanted to see if he could give Diogenes something. Uh, and Diogenes uh, looked up and Alexander said, what can I do for you? He's like, just step out of my son. <laughs> yeah and then alexander said if i would not if i was not alexander i would be diogenes yeah so yeah he he understood the value of of that mm. you know mm -hmm. so of that like what diogenes said that it's the, the sunlight falling on me is more important than the goal that you can give me and I feel like it, it it kind of ties in with this this anecdote that you you came across yeah yeah you know? yeah so. it's 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 like relishing the 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 simple small right. things in life um yeah I, I think that is that is a perfect uh a perfect stopping point um i I could not thank you enough for uh for taking the time to Likewise. to uh to to speak with me on this very humble this very humble podcast um i i I thoroughly enjoyed the book um looking looking forward to the next one um although uh you know i'm I, i'm i'm not i i know how and and i i could see the the decade of work that went into this i know Thank it probably you. wasn't a decade of continuous work that's right um but i i yeah it's it's i don't it's it, it was so bizarre to just get this kind of dropped on my doorstep and now you know uh it's it's a book that that i'm i'm going to hold on for for a very long time so thank you so um, much yeah this was, I, uh, this was awesome. I i i loved it and uh yeah what one last thing where you yeah. know if if anyone wanted to uh to pick up the book or you know to uh to check you out like where where could you point people uh to to be able to do that so they can go to they can search for my name on Amazon and they can get the the ebook or uh, they can uh, connect with me on LinkedIn uh, and I can point them to the to the hard copies. But my website is uh, www. So just my full name uh, with no hyphen, no nothing. dot com. So lovely, lovely. Yeah, so, yeah and I, I will I will put the uh, the link to his website and uh the amazon page in um in the description of the podcast as well um as well as his his other personal information if you uh if if, if anyone wants to check him out so thank you thank you so much um i loved loved being able to do this and yeah and i i i hope to uh hope to connect with you soon thank you thank you michael appreciate it and i loved uh researching for this this episode and and our conversation so thank you yeah, so much absolutely yeah. thank you <laughs> take, take care, care.